You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truths from his word today. The message I'm going to bring to you this morning is something that God laid on my heart this past Monday. As I was praying for our church family and praying for many who have been a part of our church family but are now gone for various reasons, many of them out in the world living for the world and experiencing the consequences of their decisions, uh, my heart was really broken. I became very sad as I began to think of the number of people that have sat under my ministry and to look at their lives right now and see where they're at and What they've reaped in their life uh, really broke my heart, and I went to prayer for them. As I finished uh, praying for them, uh, the Lord put this message on my heart today. So Ephesians chapter 5, I'll begin reading here with uh, verse, uh, let's begin with verse 13. Ephesians 5, 13. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light And whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Remember, Jesus is the light of the world, and we're to reflect his light while we live here in the world. Verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead. Wake up, Christian. Arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Be that light that God is calling you to be. Verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, very carefully in your life. Not as fools, don't be a fool, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Now this is the verse that we're going to focus in on today. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I want to preach to you today on the subject, making wise decisions in life. Making wise decisions in life. Life is composed of a series of decisions. Really, you could say this, life is decision after decision after decision. That's why it's so important, listen to me, church, that we have a plan in place by which we make these decisions in life. We all know that God wants us to function right in the very center of his perfect will for us. Give me an amen. Amen. But so many of us, we get off base. We get on the wrong road. We talk about those two roads in life, the road that leads to blessing and the road that leads to cursing. And so many times I've seen people make the decision to go down the wrong road in life. And I've been around long enough now in the ministry to then see the consequences that these individuals have experienced as they've gone down the wrong road in life. But it came about when they made a wrong decision. We all know Matt's been doing a great job here in Sunday school talking to us about how Satan is the great deceiver. Not only is he the great deceiver, the Bible calls him the great tempter. And he is doing everything that he can do in my life, in your life, to convince us that we are in the will of God when in reality we are not. Or he's trying to convince you that you can live outside of the will of God and there will be little or no consequences for it whatsoever. Satan is a deceiver. The Bible says there is a way. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man. Deception. But the end thereof are the ways of what? Satan has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. But listen to me this morning, dear church family. None of us are immune from deception and temptation. None of us are immune from not seeing the consequences of the decisions that we make in life. Satan will blind us if we allow him to do that. So many verses throughout Scripture tell us, be not deceived. Be not deceived. It is repeated over 
and over and over again. The, the truth is, every one of us have been deceived at some time or another in our lives. And based upon that deception, we have made decisions. Some of those decisions have reaped devastating consequences. But all decisions made out of deception will have negative consequence in our lives. All of us have been tempted. The Bible says, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. He resists that temptation. We've all been tempted, and there's not a person here today that has not given in in some way or another to Satan's temptations. So first of all, he comes along with the deception, then he follows that deception up with a temptation. All of us have experienced some consequence for the decisions that we've made in our lives. Be not deceived. God is not what? Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also... Are you with me today? There are consequences for the many decisions that we make every single day. These three things are seldom considered when it comes to making a decision. We seldom stop and think, am I being deceived? Am I being tempted to make this decision? Am I not seeing the consequences of deciding this? The Bible is full of verses. The Bible is full of principles that will help us make right decisions in the center of God's will. If we follow these basic, easy-to-understand principles... I guarantee you that you will come out of this always being able to discern what the will of God is in any given matter. We will avoid the difficulties, we will avoid the heartaches, and we will avoid the consequences that come into our lives by making decisions out of the will of God. So over the years I've watched... As individual after individual, sometimes whole families, have made decisions out of the will of God. Very foolish decisions. They've never seriously fasted and prayed over the decision that they were about to make. They've never sought wise and godly counsel. They've never really searched the scriptures. They've never considered the long-term consequences of the decision that they're about to make. But Satan came along. He presented an opportunity to them. He appealed to their flesh and their fleshly desires, and they took the bait. And they made the decision based solely upon those two things. And out of the will of God they went. Most of the time, they would tell you, well, you know, Pastor, I prayed about that. You know how many times I've heard people say to me when I've questioned them about a decision, well, Pastor, I prayed about it, and I really believe it's the will of God when it's a clear violation of the principles that I will give you today. It was not the will of God. It was their will. It was not God's will. Many of them have reasoned away the cautions that the Holy Spirit has put in their heart, only to come back to me years later and say this, Pastor, I wish I would have listened to the cautions that you and the Holy Spirit had given me. I'll never forget one lady coming to me concerning marriage, and I said, no, I cannot marry you. Not marry me. I've already married, okay? <laughs> that definitely would have been out of the will of God. But she wanted me to marry. And I, said, I said, I can't do that. This, this is not the will of God. Well, I believe it's the will of God. I prayed about this. The Lord has led me to this man. I said, this is not the will of God for you to marry. But they went ahead and married anyway. Let every man be persuaded in his own mind. They went ahead and married. A few years later, they went through divorce, only to come back to me broken. Saying, Pastor, if I would have only have listened to the cautions that the Holy Spirit gave me and the cautions that you gave me, I would not have made this mistake in my life. Church family, listen to preacher today. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking into your heart about today. The Bible says, From whence cometh wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your own lust? which war in your members, Satan appeals to that lust. Ye ask, 
and ye receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteress, know ye not that friendship with this world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. I don't think there's one person here today that would say, I am an enemy of God's. We would say, no, we are children of God by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a time when I was born again and I trusted him as my Savior. No, I'm not an enemy of God's. But yes, we are if we're making decisions exactly in the same way that the world makes decisions. I want to give you a couple things. I'm going to give you a 10-point plan here in just a moment. And I promise you, if you'll follow that basic biblical 10-point plan, you will never make a decision from now on out of the will of God. But let me say a couple things prior to giving you that 10-point plan. First of all, one of the keys to making a right decision is living in the fear of God. Write down Psalm 25, 12 through 13. Psalm 25, 12 through 13. The first key to making wise decision is living in the fear of God. Listen to the verse. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him, the one who fears the Lord, him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. How many times... Have you heard someone say, well, when the Bible says we're to fear the Lord, it really doesn't mean that we're to fear him. How many have ever heard someone say something like, you hear that all the time. It really, it really doesn't mean that you fear him. You know, one thing I found out over, I mean, I'm going on 40 years now of studying the Bible, that the Bible means what it says. Pretty much come to that conclusion. But you'll hear people say, well, you know, it really doesn't mean that you're to fear him. It just means that you're to have this reverential respect for him. Really? Is that what the Bible says? That word reverence is used in the Bible. You certainly would think that if that's what the fear of the Lord meant, that that word would have been used. But the Bible says this, by mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. I guarantee you one thing. If the Lord God would manifest himself today, right here in our presence, we would all experience true fear. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. That's in reference to the judgment seat of Christ. We persuade men. The Bible says by the fear of the Lord, or the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. Satan may deceive you. You may make a decision. You may get even more treasures in life. But treasures in life isn't necessarily the blessing of God. But, it, but, but better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasures and trouble therewith. I want to tell you something. I would exchange great treasures for trouble any day. Each of us one day are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, the judge of heaven and earth. And we are going to give an account of the decisions that we've made in this life. I want you to stop and think about this with me because I really, I really pondered this. God knows everything that we think. He knows every desire that we have. He knows every word that we speak. He knows everything that we do. Now, I don't know about you, but that causes me to fear him. I heard one time this definition given of the fear of the Lord. It's absolutely the best, and I believe the most biblical definition that I've ever heard of the fear of the Lord. 
It says, the fear of the Lord is the... Are you, are you here? The fear of the Lord is the continual... The continual awareness that you are in the presence of a holy and just and almighty God and that every motive, every thought, every word, every action is open before him and will be judged by him. Our decisions in life have consequences. They have temporal consequences and they have eternal consequences. When I say they have temporal consequences, I mean we have consequences in this life, but there also are consequences for our decision in the life which is to come. The Bible says some men's sins are open beforehand going into judgment, and some men's sins follow after them. That should cause you to fear the Lord. Listen to me, church. The consequences that we will reap for disobedience to God should cause us to fear him. The second key is that making wise decisions simply means that we become totally dependent upon the Lord to guide us and direct us in the decision that we have to make. We become totally dependent upon the Lord. Most of it... Most of us are not there when it comes to making decisions. We are depending upon our own wisdom. We're not looking to Him. Is He an all-wise God? Is He an omniscient God? Well, if He's an omniscient God, if He is all-wise, if He knows the beginning from the end, then why don't we go to Him first? Why don't we consult Him first when it comes to making these decisions in life? Instead, most of us, we make up our own mind. We do what we desire to do. And we have very, very little regard for what the will of God is in a certain matter. Sometimes we think we're smart enough. I want to tell you something. There's not one person here smart enough to make all the decisions that we have to make in life. My life's verse, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Chuck that. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. None of us are wise enough. Do you believe that the Lord is willing to give you direction and guidance in life? You need to ask for it, and you need to be willing to follow it. If you ask for it and you're willing to follow it, he promises that he will give it. Ask and you shall what? Seek and ye shall knock and the door shall be opened unto you. That's a promise of God. You can take it to the bank. So a scriptural plan for making the many decisions that we have to make in life needs to be understood and it needs to be embraced by every single one of us. Remember what Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your a living, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't make decisions like the world makes decisions. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing, and that's what I'm trying to do today with you. You've got to cooperate with me in the Holy Spirit, by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that you may know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God's will is a good will. Do you believe that? Say amen. God's will is an acceptable will. It's a will that we should embrace and we should accept. It is good, it's acceptable, and I like that last statement. It is what? It is perfect. Our will is just the opposite of those three. Just the opposite. So I have a couple questions for you. How does God lead us into his perfect will? How does he guide us? How does he direct us in the way that we should go? How can we know for sure what is God's, come on, what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will? You know, as I was sitting this morning and 
our house. And I was going over this message, and I was praying. I was praying for you. I was praying that the Lord would help me to deliver this in power and in love and the sound mind. And this is the thought that came to my mind while I was praying. The devil's going to try to keep as many of our people away from the fellowship today as he possibly can. I thought that. I prayed against that. I see a number of our folks are gone. I also thought, you know, there are going to be so many distractions as I'm preaching this message because I'm telling you the last thing that Satan wants is for you to live out your life in the center of God's will and have his blessing. So I want you to understand, listen, we are right now, for the last few minutes that we have here, we are right now engaged in some spiritual warfare. You have to have a plan. If you're going to know what is his good and acceptable and perfect will, you need to have a plan. And so I'm going to give you that 10-point plan right now. Are you ready? You want to jot these things down. I'll try not to belabor each one of these points. Number one, it's a very simple plan, very easy to understand, very biblical. I didn't come up with this on my own, believe me. Step number one, you have to clear your heart of any known sin. You want to know what God wants you to do in your life? You want to know what his will is for you? You have to clear your heart from any known sin. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not what? He will not hear me. Sin brings confusion. Confusion to our mind. And it hinders us from receiving direction from the Lord. Matt today in his Sunday school lesson talked about hearing the voice of God. Listen, if you have known unconfessed sin in your life that you are harboring and you are holding on to, you are not going to be able to clearly hear the voice of the Lord. You're out of fellowship with Him. So you, listen, you can't even get past point one in this plan until sin is confessed, until it is repented of, until you agree with God, this sin should not have a part of my life. This relationship should not be in my life. This sinful habit should not be in my life. This thought process I have should not be in my life. This area of disobedience is not consistent with the Christian life. Anything that's contrary to the will of God needs to go. Give me an amen. It goes through confession followed up by repentance. Repentance means that we turn away from this sin because we simply realize it does not belong in my life. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He that covereth his sin will not what? You'll never know God's will. He that covereth his sin will not prosper. But whosoever confesseth and forsaketh, that's repentance. Them shall have mercy. So in discerning the will of God, point number one, you have to clear your heart from any known sin. Point number two, and I believe this is the most difficult. Of all the ten, this is the most difficult. You have to bring your desires, listen to me, you have to bring your desires. Remember Paul said, I die daily to my desires. You have to bring your desires into... You writing this down? You need to bring your desires into a position of neutrality. You're in neutral concerning your own desires. I call this getting your heart in a condition that it has no will of its own. Do you see why that's the hardest? You know why that's the hardest? Because we're all pretty strong-willed. Self-will runs deeply in every single one of our hearts. Some of you are absolutely the sweetest people that I've ever met. But you know what? You have a strong self-will. We all do. So you have to get your heart. Are, are you here with me? 
Here's the decision out there waiting for you to make, and you have, you have to simply die to that. You may want that desperately, but you have to die to that desire and say, like Jesus said, not my will. His will was not to go to the cross and to suffer anguish. He said, not my will, but thine be done. Aren't you thankful that Christ came to the place of neutrality? If it be possible, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But not my will, but thine be done. The Apostle Paul, there on the road to Damascus, in that conversion experience that he had, said these words, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? That's why I'm telling this this number two, I don't, I mean, number one is difficult enough. Clearing your heart of all known sin. But this number two, this is the one that trips the majority of people up. It's the biggest battle that you will have in your life, and that is dying to S-E-L-F and what you want to do. Especially when you have a particular course of action that is strong in your heart to do. Perhaps pride has entered into the decision-making process. You know how Satan will dangle that little carrot of pride out there? Look at this opportunity. No one else was offered it. You're so special. Why? I am. You better take that opportunity while you have a chance. So you think of how Satan appeals to those strong fleshly desires. You think about how he uses the pride of life. You think about the deception and the temptation. Do you see why it's so hard to die to self when it comes to making a decision? Levi, can I use you for an example? You're a good example. Levi is getting to the place right now where he wants to buy a car. He's worked hard. He saved his money. He has money. He wants to buy a car. He's taking driver's train. I understand that. I remember when I wanted to have a car at that age. And so uh, him and Matthew went out and looked at this car, a little two-seater car. Stick shift. Looks really cool. I said it's a sissy car is what I called it, but... <clears throat> So I'm talking to Levi, and Levi, I mean, he's, he's hyped about this car, okay? Because it looks cool, it's a good price, it's been well-maintained, so the seller says. Change the oil every 3,000 miles, you know, that kind of thing. And so he really likes that car because he attracted that car. I said, Levi, you can only put one other person in that car. I said, in the wintertime, you're not going anywhere in that car, son. And so we're talking about the practicality of it. Do you see how hard it is for a young man, 17-year-old, that looks at this cool car? I remember when Ben, Ben, where are you? I remember when Ben bought his Camaro. That was a cool car. I like Camaros, by the way. But he bought this Camaro, and um, after having that Camaro, he said, especially in the wintertime, Ben, that thing wouldn't go anywhere in the wintertime, would it? I mean, it was stuck in the driveway. Because our desires are so strong for a certain thing. Do you, do, you, do you see what I'm saying? How easy it is then just to block out everything else and only focus in on that appeal that that thing has to the flesh. So you have to bring yourself into a position of neutrality. So, Levi, I have this minivan I think you should buy for your first time. <laughs> Can't get more practical than a minivan. Are you ready for number three? Number one, you clear your heart of any known sin. Number two, you come into a position of neutrality. Number three, you have to exercise patience. When it comes to making a decision, exercise patience. Sometimes you have to pray and wait for a long time 
for God to give you the answer. Don't ever run ahead of the Lord. We are so prone to do that. That's why the Bible says, all over the place, wait on the Lord, wait patiently upon Him. Can I tell you something that I've learned in all my years of walking with God? He's never in a hurry. Ever. You know why? Because a day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. He's not in a hurry. God promises that if we ask and we seek, we will receive and we will find, but he doesn't say we're going to find that answer immediately. You know, God loves to make us wait. Because as we are waiting, we are seeking. As we are waiting, things are changing. Listen, things are changing in our heart. Our perspective is coming back. It gives us an opportunity to go through the scriptures and get the wise counsel from others that we need and start to apply these ten principles to receive his best. Let me tell you something, church. You have to be willing to wait on his timing. Satan is always trying to get us to make quick decisions. How many of you know what I'm saying there? How many have ever had to deal with a salesman? Can I see your hand? What are one of the tactics of a salesman? To get you to make a decision right now. They don't want you to walk out of the room. He'll do everything that he can do to try to convince you that you need to make this decision now. If you say something like this to a salesman, well, let me go home and think about it. Well, I'm going to tell you, sir, if you go home and think about this opportunity, it, it will not be here for this tomorrow. This is the only chance you have is today. Or if you say something like this, you know, I know that looks like a good opportunity, but can I go home and talk to my wife about it? (laughs) To which the salesman said, sir, I don't think that's really a good idea. You know, get your wife involved. If you want him to really think you're nuts, Say something like this. You know what? I never make a decision without consulting my wife. I never make a decision without consulting my uh, husband. I never make a decision without talking to my parents about it. And, and you know what? I always try to involve my pastor. He'll think you're a looney tune. No, you're not a nutcase. You're simply applying God's plan. God's pauses. I don't like God's pauses. But God's pauses are very important in His plan of discerning His will and His mind. There's a good reason to wait. God wants you to think it through and God wants you to filter it through this word right here. God's word is a wonderful filter. Filter every decision of life through it. Don't listen to Satan, the salesman. When an opportunity presents itself and we jump on that opportunity... Listen, we are not in the frame of mind or the spirit to discern the Lord's will because we haven't even sought it yet. Does that all make sense to you? Number four. Number one is that we clear our heart of any known sin. Number two, we bring our desires into a a position of neutrality. Number three, we exercise patience. Number four kind of goes along with number three, but don't give in to pressure. Don't give in to pressure. Just don't allow yourself to be pressured into making a decision. 
Pressure will come from a couple different places. First of all, it will come from external as well as internal places. Let me tell you what I mean. External pressure is when family, when friends, when business owners, business associates, salesmen are all pressuring you to make a decision and to make that decision right away. When you have not had an opportunity to really sit down and seriously seek the Lord and wait for Him to make the decision. You know how I try to run this church? Just let God make the decisions. I love it. Just let the Lord make the decisions. So there's that external pressure that comes from the outside. Let me say this. Stop and think before you give in to that pressure. Do these people really know the mind of the Lord? Have they really sought the Lord on your behalf? Are they in a position to give you guidance and direction and tell you what you should and should not do? No. So don't give in to external pressures. Number two is don't give in to internal pressures. Self-pressure, where you put pressure upon yourself. I just have, I just have to, honey, I just got, honey, I got to make this decision or I will lose the opportunity. So you put that pressure upon yourself or you really, you really don't want to seek the Lord in his guidance and direction. So you want to hurry and quickly make that decision or your mind is already made up. So I need to make that decision so no one will change my mind. So we have the external pressures. Are you all following me how hard it is to make decisions in the will of God? The external pressures come, the internal pressures come. Just let me say, don't be pressured, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I looked up that word peace. You know what the word peace means? It means you are bound together with God. I mean, when God is making that decision, you are bound together with him, and there is such a peace, knowing this wasn't a decision I made. This was a decision that God made for me. Hallelujah. My peace I leave with you, Jesus said. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? We clear our heart from any known sin. We bring our desires into a position of neutrality. We exercise patience. We don't allow ourselves to be pressured into making a decision. And number five, don't be stubborn. Don't poke your wife or your husband right now. Don't be stubborn. The Bible says, For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. You know, Sometimes we're just downright stubborn people when it comes to making decisions. Can I, listen, everyone, it's okay to change your mind. It's okay that once you make a decision and you stop like right now and you came to church today and you heard these principles to say, you know what? I'm rushing this thing. I need to stop. I need to pause. I need to run it through these filters. Or to even say, you know what? I was wrong in making this decision. I just cannot go through with this. Don't be stubborn. Number six. Be persistent in prayer. If you see no sign of your request for guidance and direction being answered, keep praying until God does answer it. Remember, because you're waiting. And in that time of waiting, you are praying, you are seeking the Lord, you're learning to trust Him. You're learning not to move forward with doubt and fear and uncertainty. Rest in the confidence that God's timing is perfect. Pray without ceasing. You continue to pray until God gives the direction. Listen, then some people say, well, I continue to pray and I lost the opportunity. Guess what? Hello? 
You lost the opportunity. Then it was never God's will. Number seven. If there's any doubt in your mind about the decision, don't make it. If there's any doubt in your mind, don't make it. Romans 14, 23, He that doubteth is damned. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. If you cannot make a decision in full faith, knowing that this is what God would have you to do, don't make it. <clears throat> Amen, Brother White. Number eight, seek godly counsel. Proverbs eleven fourteen, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Before you make these decisions, do you know what God calls your pastor? Your shepherd. Call me. Let's talk about it. Let's sit together and pray about it. Bump it off me. You know why most people don't come to me for counsel? Because they already know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Consult some of your godly friends. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Notice I preference that by your godly friends. Not friends that will tell you what you want to hear, but friends that will tell you the truth. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9. Talk to your parents. First Corinthians eleven three, talk to your husband. Genesis two eight, talk to your wife. <clears throat> talk to some of your older godly children. I'm glad I'm now at the age of my life where I can even go to some preface some of my children and ask their counsel. You know, that is an awesome thing. When a father can look to his children and say, what do you think God would have me to do? Step number nine. Use some common biblical sense. I didn't say use some common sense. I said use some common biblical sense because God is not the author of confusion. He doesn't want you to be confused about the decision. So I have some subpoints under this. Are you still all with me? Okay. Number one, subpoint under point number nine. Make a list of pros and cons. The Bible says that God wants us to discern, to discern between right and wrong and good and evil. Having our senses exercised to discern both good and evil. What are the pros and what are the cons? You've got to be able to honestly look at that. Number two. This is so, so important. Think about the future and how your decision will affect others. I'm going to say that again. Think about the future and how your decision you're making right now will affect others. How will it affect your church? How will it affect your family? Bible said no man lives unto himself. So many of us never think about the future. We're only focused in on the present and what we want. You know what, church? I don't want that to blow up on you. Number three... Listen to the cautions of the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. God will put a caution in your heart. Listen, don't run over that caution. Number four, don't make decisions based on money. But I'll get more money. Money is the root of all evil. While some having coveted after have erred from the faith. Ask yourself, number five, ask yourself, is this 
a carnal decision based on discontentment. Is this a carnal decision based on discontentment? In whatsoever state we are in, we're to be content. Because when we're discontent, that's when Satan dangles the carrot in front of us. Number six, don't let Satan appeal to your pride. Pride goeth before what? What? Destruction. Don't let Satan appeal to your pride. But I feel so honored because I was asked to do this. What does the Bible say? Humble yourself. If you're making a decision because you feel so honored that someone would ask you to do something, that's totally the pride of life. Number seven. If someone came to you and presented the same opportunity to you and asked you for counsel, what counsel would you give them? I often use this in the counseling room. When people will come in for counsel, I say, let's reverse roles here. I'm coming to you with this same problem. What would you tell me to do? And they give me counsel, and usually it's, they're always right. I said, well, listen to your own counsel. Let me put a situation out before you right now. I know I'm going long today, but hey, we're going. I'm not done. Got one more to take care of here. But let's say I receive a phone call from, let's say, a large church in California. And this large church um, maybe had listened to some of our messages online and they liked my preaching. And they thought that it would be a good fit. They're without a pastor. They're looking for a pastor. And so they give me the call to come and pastor them. And they offer me twice as much money as I'm being paid here at Fellowship. They offer me an excellent retirement plan. They offer me full medical benefits, including dental and eye coverage. How many of you would say, well, that's a no-brainer. You should just take that opportunity. I hope there's not a single, unless you want to get rid of me, okay? I got that. Got it. But I don't think there's a single one of you that would say, yeah, Pastor, you ought to jump on that opportunity. You would say no. Every one of those are carnal reasons for taking another ministry. Here's what I want you to see. Everything that you do is a ministry. It's not just me. Ministry. Number 10. Rest in God's promise that if you seek Him, you will find Him. Rest in it. Don't be all tied up in knots over this thing. If you seek me, you will find me. The Bible is the most valuable resource that we have. Every decision that we need to make can be found right here in this book, which I call the mind of God. Can you imagine that? That you have right here preserved the mind of God himself. What an amazing Amazing thought. Filter every decision through this book. Don't filter it through the world's way of thinking, but filter it through this blessed book. Let's go over our ten steps. Are you ready? Say amen. amen. Number one, we clear our hearts from any known sin. Number two, we bring our decisions into a position of neutrality. Number three, we exercise patience. We just wait on the Lord. Number four, we don't give in to pressure to make decisions. 
Number five, we're refused to be stubborn. Decisions need to be changed. To change those. Number six, be persistent in prayer while the process is going on. Number seven, if there's any doubt in your mind, don't make that decision. Number eight, seek godly counsel. Number nine, use some common biblical sense. And number ten, rest in God's promise. One last question. How do you usually make decisions in life? Do you make them according to God's plan or according to your own plan? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the attentiveness of your people today as we have brought a message to them, I believe, directed by you. And I don't know what decisions are lying out there within the fellowship or what we have yet to make. But Lord, I pray that those decisions come through the filter of your word. We pray. I'd like you to take your hymnal. Remember, number one was to get your heart. clean from all known sin. Tonight we're going to have the Lord's table. Strongly encourage every one of you to come tonight. That's one of the purposes of observing the Lord's table. We're going to sing this song in just a moment. Create in me a clean heart. I came to the Lord with my heart full of sin, empty to purpose and troubled within. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.